All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to be if you want to find your place there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. A popular passage of Scripture in our world. It was popularized by the birds in the 60s. And I'm not going to sing this tonight. We're just going to read it, okay? So, I know if you want to, if you want to hum along in your mind, you may. But not out loud, all right? All right. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rend and to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for your word tonight and the time we've already shared together as a church family. Uh, Father, thank you for the relationships that we have here and uh, just a special camaraderie and spirit uh, that you've blessed this place with. Lord, thank you for our young people tonight and for the music we've sung, and just the day we've had. And I pray, Lord, as we uh, put the finishing touches on the day, as we look at your word, I pray that you'd you'd guide us, instruct us, help us to benefit once more from a thought or an idea here that your Holy Spirit might impress on our hearts. And then, Lord, bless just the remainder of the the time we share as a church family and as we start a new week. We love you, and we commit the next few moments to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, and, and really the following uh, chapter and the thought next week is about the subject of time. And there are two primary thoughts. The next few verses are going to talk about time and how that God makes everything beautiful. And the Bible uses this phrase, in His time. And uh, so I want to look at that idea last, next week because there's really two thoughts here. And one is just our time, and then the other would be God's time. And instead of combining the ideas, I thought that would take too much time. And so we won't do that. You know, often people consider, and I think rightfully so, money and time to be their greatest assets. The difference between the two is you can always get more money. But you can't get more time. There's no such thing as a time account. There's no such thing as a, as a credit card uh, of time. Last week I finished preaching a few minutes early, and um, I said, you know, I'm going to take advantage of that or something. And someone came up to me and said, you know, that doesn't work like a bank account. I think David Norton said that. You don't get more minutes uh, to preach in the future. Uh, We can't get more time. It's an allocated budget we can't cheat. And Solomon understood the importance of time. And he sought to understand it as it relates to life and eternity. And remember, he's on this quest for happiness. He's looking for joy. He's looking for everything. And he uses this phrase time and again under the sun. He uses it 29 times in the book. And and, and he's used it five times thus far. It's a proverbial expression. He's looking for happiness. He's looking for joy. He's looking for the satisfaction. He's looking for it under the sun. It's a perspective of a life lived without God. It's a trajectory that looks at life for the answers in a linear, linear way. Say, I'm looking this way, and I'm not considering what might be above the sun, but simply what's underneath it. But as his writing progresses through the book, as he works his way through the mental despair and through the anguish that we've talked about, through the wringing of hands, the restless night, the fidgeting, the mind that won't shut off, the absence of rest... The, the, the plaguing thoughts of a wasted life, 
And as his writing progresses and he works through these ideas and his discouragement, we begin to see little patches of bright spots in his thinking. And so in this verse one tonight of Ecclesiastes chapter three, he says to everything there is a season and a time and to a purpose. And instead of saying under the sun, he uses a different phrase. And this time he says under the heaven. Well, now he's beginning to see things a little differently. Now he has a little bit of a different perspective and he's taking into account a broader way of thinking because life can't be understood under the sun, but it can be gone to be understood in a satisfactory way when we consider things under the heaven. Under the sun has no purpose, but under the heaven we find purpose. And he says right here in the, ver- in the, in the text in verse 1 that there's purpose under the heaven. Not under the sun, but, but under the heaven. Solomon couldn't find purpose in a life that was without God. But as he reflects on life and the ebb and flow of time and, sea, and, and, per- and seasons, he finds purpose in them. Years later, the Apostle Paul would write in Ephesians that we are being predestinated according, and then he says this, to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And there is a purpose in those things. And so next week, I do want to look more fully at God's purposes and our relation to them. But for tonight, I want, to, I want to look at this idea and this phrase that's right there in verse 1, what he says, a season and a time. There is a difference between those two words. And when you look them up in the original languages and you study them out and their etymology, the idea behind each is simply this, that time is what is happening right now. It's, it's this moment. It's what you would take into account. Maybe that happened this past week. Uh, maybe what's hap- what happened today. What might be on your agenda, your calendar, your thinking for this coming week. It's time. It's, it's all of the things in your mind that are happening at this moment. But a season would be considered a period of time. And it usually would comprise a few months and even a few years. And I, and I want you to hang on to this idea, because we're going we're to try to develop this thought, that what takes place during our moments of time depends on how that season of our life will go. It, it's not the big things in life that happens. It's what happens in the time, like today, like in this moment. And what happened in, 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 the, in the time of this past week, what you're going to do this week. When you take all of that time and you add it all up, that is going to determine how this season of life that you're in is going to go. We understand this in a sporting world. My daughter's on a volleyball team, they play volleyball, and so they were telling me yesterday after the game that one of the girls there keeps skipping practice. Okay, if all the girls skip practices, right, or they don't take it seriously, okay, that's, that's, that's this time, but you take that and then you have a game and they lose one or two games, three games. Eventually, what happens to the season? Well, it's lost. And so what they do with the time this week and practice this week is going to determine the game that's coming Saturday. It's going to determine the entirety of the season. And it's no less true in our lives. Another illustration of this would be the children of Israel in the Old Testament when they're in the wilderness. They kept looking at everything that they encountered in real time. So here comes the Egyptian army, they escape. And they look at the Egyptian army in real time and they just see 
this massive army bearing down on them, and they think to themselves, and they look at each other, we're dead meat. <laughs> this is over. And that's all they could see in that moment of time. They looked at the Red Sea. It can't be crossed. It's too wide. It's too deep. We have our cattle and our children and our wives, and, and maybe we don't know how to swim. They looked at a lack of food and water. We are going to die. That was their response over and over again. Look at the promised land. Giants are bigger than us. Small guys can't beat big guys. My son David would say, or can they, right? <laughs> and so Moses kept his calendar in front of him. And he knew they were there for a season. Mark this idea in your mind. He understood that they were spiritual beings having an earthly experience, not earthly beings having a spiritual experience. And that is a very different perspective. And Solomon here, this is, what, this is the life he was living. He was, he was thinking that he was, he, he, was, he was this earthly being. But he was a spiritual being. And he was having an earthly experience. And so that trip for these children of Israel took them through the wilderness in what should have been a few weeks or months, and it took them 40 years. Why? Why did it take them so long? Well, because all that they could see in front of them were moments of discomfort. Instead of understanding, God had them in a season that would come to an end as they entered into the promised land. What should have taken a short amount of time, what should have been a short season in their life, all of a sudden expanded into this incredibly long period of time because the unwillingness that they had to face discomfort. They misused their encounters with difficulty. They lengthened their season of suffering exponentially. Your moments of time matter so much. Your day-to-day -day and how you use it, it matters. The way you wake up tomorrow and the day you create and this week, it matters because it all adds up and it makes up the season and the seasons make up the span of your life. And when you waste the time and you waste the moments, then you waste the season. And when you add enough wasted seasons together, we would look at maybe a potentially wasted life. And this was the life Solomon, who had it all lived. Too many wasted moments, too many wasted seasons leading to a wasted life. And he missed the blessings that God had for him. And so in verses 2 through 8, Solomon lists some examples of seasons and times. And these are ideas that most people experience. Each of these times and these seasons, they have a beginning, they have an end. He, he talks about being born. And then he talks about dying. We all were born. And the Bible says we're all going to die. You know, depending, of course, the Lord's return. We, we are going to experience that. It just talks about planting and, of course, the idea of harvesting and killing and healing. Breaking down and building up. Weeping and laughter and mourning and dancing. Casting away stones and gathering them together. Rending, sowing. Silence and speaking. Love and hate. War and peace. And there's a technical aspect to every single one of these things. And in some measure, each of us experience these things in our lives. But then there's the spirit of the list. And the spirit of the list to me is simply that there are good moments in life and they are special. But they go by fast and they end. I love Christmas morning, but it's over quickly. 
I love sunsets, but they just last a few minutes and we don't see them every single day. I love ice cream. I love watching my kids be happy. I love listening to a good song, not turn, 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 other good songs, right? Um, I love being loved, but those moments go by. And then what? Well, the sun sets and then there's darkness. The ice cream melts or it's eaten. The kids aren't always happy. The song ends. The love sometimes isn't there. And regardless of the moment, you have to realize that you are in a season and you are in a time in your life. And Solomon says, we have to make sure we understand that regardless of where we're at in our season of life and where we're at, it is under heaven. It's not just under the sun. It includes the Lord, and He is sovereign, and He is in control, and He is in command, and He loves you so much. But here's the point. What you do in your time will determine how your season of life goes. And when you add up all your seasons, you have the sum total of your life. And what kind of life do you want that to be? And it boils down to the season and the moments. And so a couple challenges for us tonight that I want to just present to us. And the first is simply this. We have a responsibility under heaven to find the good in, in the time, not just the season, but in the time that we are in. I think one of the many wonderful things about living in Oklahoma is that we get to experience all four seasons. You could live somewhere boring like Colorado or Hawaii, and that would just be terrible, you know. I hear they have lots of taffy there. I, don't, I wouldn't want to live there. Um, but you ever notice that no matter what season we're in, we can find something to complain about? I was in the car with one of my kids last week, and so we were in there together. And, you know, we, we just got in the car. had been sitting outside for a long time, and, you know, we hadn't put the sunshade up. And as well as moments where you get in the car and it kind of suffocates you, and, uh, and so you're instantly sweating. And so, you know, my child said, it is so hot. It's humid. And then summer is often that way. And I said, yeah, I can't wait for fall. And, and, and the allergies, you know. <laughs> and all those leaves we're going to have to rake. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then the fact that the mornings are cold and the afternoons are hot and I don't know what to wear every day. And there's also allergies, right? And then there's winter, and it's too cold, and the days are too short, and it's dark. And then there's spring, and it just rains too much, and there's allergies then too. I think the point is simply this. There are seasons in life that are difficult. M. Scott Peck opened his best-selling book, The Road Less Traveled, with the words, Life is difficult. That's how he starts it. And he went on to say, most do not fully see this truth, that life is difficult. Instead, they moan more or less incessantly about the enormity of their problems, their burdens, and their difficulties, as if life were generally easy, and as if life should be easy. My life's not easy. So I'm going to moan about it. And the other person on the receiving end of that conversation is just sitting there thinking, yeah, your life is hard. No, they're thinking, you cry, baby. My life's actually hard. And we act like life should be easy. 
But no matter what season of life we're in right now, you are going to find burdens. It's the reality of life. In John 16, Jesus says, in this world, like the whole thing, and it doesn't matter on what spectrum, the beginning of time where Adam and Eve are until the last, the last human being alive, he says, you are going to have tribulation. Like, period. Like, M. Scott Peck gets it. Life is difficult. It's hard. But here's the, here's the part we need to understand and embrace. That there are burdens, yes, but there are also blessings. And they coexist simultaneously. It's not like, well, this season of life is good and the next season's going to be bad. The two coexist in every season of life in a simultaneous way. A few weeks ago on a Sunday night, I preached a message contrasting Solomon and his despair in chapter 1 versus Philippians and the Apostle Paul sitting in a Roman cell and their attitudes. And Paul said these words as he sits in a Roman cell waiting to die in a hot summer prison with being chained up. And he said that he was sorrowful and yet he was rejoicing and he was doing both at the same exact time. That's how life works. Sorrow and joy. And they are not mutually exclusive. They often overlay each other and they coexist in the same season of life and often in the same moments, in the same time of our life. This week, you are going to face burdens. But if you're looking for them and you will avail yourself to them, there are lots of blessings too. We need to learn to embrace hardship. We need to understand life is difficult. In this world, you will have tribulations, and we can't be so shocked and unnerved by that. We naturally live our lives doing everything we can to avoid conflict. We just want to avoid hardship at all costs. If we were honest, sometimes, for a lot of us Christians, our deepest motives for following and loving the Lord are simply wanting Him to take care of us. Like, Lord, I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you, but I expect and I want. And if I'm going to tithe to you and if I'm going to be faithful to church, I want some smooth sailing seas. Like, I want my finances to be good. I want good health. I want favorable circumstances. And I will follow you as long as those things are in place. And when they're not in place, then Lord, I'll just follow you more because I need those things in place because those things are the highest priority to me. And sometimes that's our motivation for being faithful to the Lord. God is not your concierge. And we have to remember He's our Lord. We are saved from, but we are still living in a fallen and broken world. And that means this. In our burdens will have blessings and in our blessings, we will have burdens. And so during the f- beautiful fall, you're going to have to rake leaves and take your allergy medicine. It's going to be a lovely snow, and you're going to have to scrape ice off the windshield with a cassette tape, right? That's what we did back in the day. During a blossoming spring, we'll be holding the umbrella and sneezing a lot. During the sun or summer, sunny summer, Well, we're just going to have to melt sometimes. And this is true in our lives. Every season has its burdens. And this is no less true for each season of our life. We have this tendency in our lives to to look back and say, you know, 
Remember how good it was back in this season of life? Remember how good life used to be? And, 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 then, and then in the same conversation we'll say, and someday life's going to be good when this happens and these things fall into place. It was good back then. It's going to be good in the future, which means this. Right now stinks. <laughs> and, and what happens when we get to the future? Well, it was good back then, and someday it's going to be good again, and right now stinks. Advance on the timeline, we get older, a little more hair falls out, we eat a few pieces of taffy. Okay. <laughs> it was good back then, and it'll be good someday. And we miss the goodness of God. And we miss the happiness. And we miss the joy in the moment we are in. And we are, we are poor for it. There are hardships we can't escape. And God's still good. There is still good in your life. And rather than resisting them and fighting God and having a bad attitude, we have to accept that God is working in our lives. So in the first 10 verses of chapter 3, we find Solomon here, and he's bouncing back and forth. Depending on your perspective, for mine it would be things that are positive and things that are negative. And so the negative words being like this, die, kill, break down, mourn. Lose, rend, hate, war. But there are also some beautiful words like born and plant, to pluck up, to heal, to build up, to laugh and dance, to gather and embrace, to get, to keep, to sow, to speak, to love. There's the word peace. Like seasons of weather, um, every single season has good and it has bad attached to it. And they're constantly changing. And they're leading us along God's plan for each of our lives. And we need to be reminded today, this week, this, this, this time in your life and this moment in your life, that there are ups and downs. And we have to embrace both of them as God's working and gift in our lives. And so in verse 13 in the text tonight, he says this. And we'll get here a little bit more next week. But he says, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. And then he says this phrase, it's the gift of God. Like God has given you goodness. Are there burdens? Yes. Is everything going to go your way? No. It's never going to. It will never, ever be easy. In this world, you'll have tribulations. Life is difficult. But there are blessings and there are good things too. And it's a gift from God. And the challenge, the first thought is simply this. We need to find good in today. We need to embrace that. We need to look for those blessings and, and smile about them, that they are God's gifts and they are there if we will focus on them. The second thought is simply this. We need to use the time we have wisely. Time passes so quickly. Elizabeth was talking with Lexi the other day uh, at our home about potty training uh, their daughter. And I heard Elizabeth, I was just working in the kitchen, and I heard Elizabeth say that she was struggling to, or that when the kids were little, she was struggling to train one of our kids uh, to potty train. She just had a real difficulty with one of them. And she was sharing that with Mrs. Wagler one day. And Mrs. Wagler said, don't worry, Elizabeth, all the kids in college are potty trained. They will get it eventually. And, and you know, the potty training phase, I remember feeling like it would last a long time. And yet years later, I, I could hardly remember it. I mean, she had to remind me that we potty trained our kids. She probably would say, you didn't. I did. But... Um, you know, 
seasons of life are that way. I read a quote the other day that said, this too shall pass. And, and life is that way. Everything's going to pass. The quote went on, it might pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to go eventually. Yeah, I, I think there's this challenge here from the text, from God's Word, that we are never to assume that we are going to have as much time as they think we're going to have. Psalms instructs us to number our days, but there's a big difference between number or numbering our days and assuming our days. Um, if you're alive, God's not done with you. And, and the Bible says, you know, think about the future and, and, and number them. Don't assume them, though. Don't assume you're going to have all this time. Don't assume you have got 10 years left or, or 20 or 30 or what, whatever it might be. Um, make the most of the time you have. You may not have as much time as you think you do. And there's this purpose. We have to purpose in our hearts to use time and not waste it. Gordon MacDonald in his book, Ordinary or Private World, said, Unmanaged time flows toward weakness. If you don't spend your time, if you're not intentional about it, if you're not thoughtful about the moments of your life and numbering your days, it's going to flow towards wasted time. It's going to flow towards your weaknesses. And we have to learn to budget our, times in things that, uh, our time in things that matter to us. We have to spend it wisely. Jesus' earthly ministry was 33 years, and it was a, such a brief life and such a young life. And during that time, he wasted no time. He literally accomplished the will of his father because he spent his time doing things that truly mattered. He wasn't rushed. He didn't go about in a frenzy. He didn't have high anxiety. He wasn't having panic attacks. He just said this, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day because the night comes when no man can work. And so he just said, I'm going to manage my time and I'm going to use it for that which is appropriate and right. And I think we have to understand this, that time is running out for all of us. And we need to do our very best to steward it and to use the time that we have left wisely. Because Solomon says this, every single one of these seasons, every single one of these times, it has a beginning. And it has an end. And your time is running out. Use it wisely. Spend it. Don't waste it. I think through this third thought tonight here from the text is simply this. We need to live with that knowledge that your time and all your seasons will end. You know, knowing that everything will end is not cause for pessimism. It is reason to be thoughtful. You can complain about your life. You can whine about it and you can gripe. Or you can leverage whatever season of life you are in and use it for good. It's going to end, so why not make the best of it? There is a day of one's birth, and there is a day of one's death. And, and not to be too morbid tonight, I think the point is driven home in, with this thought. One day, should the Lord tarry, there are those in this room, and I am going to attend your funeral. And there are those in this room who will one day attend my funeral. There's no way around that. It's going to happen. And so knowing that your season will end, we should be humble in the possession of it. I have this season. I have this time. So let me possess it with humility. 
and do all that I can to maximize it. Your husband or your wife, if you're married tonight, they will not be your spouse forever. It's a little weird to think about that Jesus said we aren't married in heaven. So that person is eternal. And you're going to know them forever. But they won't be your spouse forever. What are you saying? Cherish them. Make the best of that relationship. If they are willing to live with you, then decide to live fully with them. This means you're going to have to forgive some things. You're going to have to let go of past hurts you've been holding on to for a long time. You're going to have to love big and deep. Your marriage isn't perfect. The only perfect marriage is Ben and Shay's right now, right? <laughs> and that's it. The rest of us have all got sorts of all, that's all sorts of problems. There isn't a marriage without cause for divorce and splitting up and going your separate ways. The Bible says we have all sinned. Your marriage is what you choose to make of it with the pieces you have to make it with. And so possess it with humility. That is going to end. Be humble. If you're a father or a mother tonight, those kids aren't yours forever. Don't mistreat them. You want them to respect you. How about you respect them too? Have some respect for those kids. Invest in them and develop them. Don't be so focused on sheltering them from the world that you fail to prepare them to face the world. We we, we have to love them and honor them and, 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 and let them express themselves and be who they are, all at the same token of guiding them and nurturing them in the admonition of the Lord. Sometimes we can focus so much on discipline, we forget about the nurturing aspect of parenting. We need both, and they work simultaneously. But let's not overcorrect. If you're in a ministry position here in the church or elsewhere, there are on-ramps for ministry, and there are exit ramps. There is a day. It ends. And you say goodbye. And know that the time to come a walk to walk away is going to happen. And so in that position, act with humility and grace. Don't lord it over people. Be real. There is so much fake Christianity in Christianity, and there always has been. And Jesus spent his whole earthly ministry attacking fake religion. The prayers are flowery. The words sound Christian. They've got all the quotes, and 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 it sounds so convincing. But the treatment of people is anything but Christian. And the lifestyle outside the context of ministry is anything but God-honoring. And we have to be careful with these, these positions that God's put us in. If He's given you authority at work, use that position carefully. You won't always have that job. You won't always have people working for you and doing what you say. Be good to them if you expect others to be good to you. You're going to die. If you know Jesus Christ, your death will culminate with something glorious and wonderful. He's going to make everything beautiful in His time. Again, we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But we need to redeem the time, Ephesians 5 says. It means we're going to buy it up. We need to use it wisely. There is coming an end. And the time to start is now. We have this time in our life. We have this Sunday. We have, we have this evening. 
Stop thinking that someday you're going to fellowship with people in this church. Stop thinking that one day in the future, whenever that is, I will, I'm going to be a better witness and I will grab one of those tracks and pass it out. And when those finances improve, then I will tithe. You know, it used to be good and things are tight right now, but someday it'll never come. Win today. Put in the hard work today. Do the 1% today. Talk to God today. Relate to Him. He's your God. Love your spouse. Love your children. Love the people in this building. Care enough about the lost world to share your faith now. Forgive now. Love now. The time to do, have a soft heart, the time to grow is today. Because to everything, there is a season. And to everything, there is a time. And in the time that you have, if you're wasting it, then your season's going to be lost. And too many lost seasons lead to a wasted life. Let's not live that way. Let's redeem the time. Let's, let's use it wisely and execute now. The time to invest in eternity is today. Let's not assume we have all the time in the world. We don't. Let's number our days and not assume any day, any, anything, because the day comes when no man can work, and there's no longer a difference we can make, and there's no more love we can give. We'll be with our Father eternally forever, and until that time, let's use our time wisely. Let's have some winning seasons that we string together, and, 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 and let's do our very best to honor the Lord by using our time wisely tonight. Let me ask you to stand if you would, heads